welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and I'm back, man. You know, the last two episodes were specials. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, the first one was a special on NFL free agency. That's episode 38, I believe, which is called Movement. And episode 39, which is called Here Come the Madness. That is, of course, a special about... That was a special I did about March Madness uh, before it started. But we're back, man. We're back. This is a this is a uh, normal episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I want to thank you guys, of course, for listening. Thank you for your support, and just thank you, man. You know, I I didn't I didn't expect to, what is this episode forty? I think I didn't expect to get to forty episodes. So this is, I guess, slick kind of a milestone. I appreciate it. So. Again, stay tuned for the unpopular topic of the week, as well as the game of the week to end the show. And like I said last episode, which was like I said was a special, it's March, and we're knee deep in in March Madness now. We are in the round. We are in uh, Sweet Sixteen, and the major story last week was Tom Izzo yelling at his player yelling at a freshman player they were up by like 20 points and he didn't rush back on defense he didn't hurry back on defense and they went to a timeout and he was clearly he was which is Tom Izzo was visibly angry yelling at the coach clenching his fist Um, other players were were like you know I got I got it I got it coach and he was visibly mad and then everybody went you know had an uproar about it is that how you treat players? Some player, you know, you can't talk to kids like that. Here's what I'll say about that. I have, I played college basketball. I don't know. I don't know how many days. I can't. I think every day I got yelled at. Every day somebody on my team got yelled at. Like Tom Izzo yelled at that player. Whether it was I miss an assignment on on defense and they score, I take a tr- a bad shot. I don't know when I'm feeling it. I I, <laughs> I was known to take a couple bad shots in practice. If my star player might have been I don't know late for practice once, or if he just totally disregarded the play and did did his own thing and messed up. Moral of the story is, coaches do that. Coaches get in players' faces. Coaches yell like that. Now, some coaches don't. Some coaches are non-confrontational. I get that. But not. But most coaches are like what you saw Tom Izzo do. Hell, it is worse sometimes in practice. Sometimes he will chew you out for minutes on minutes on end. But at the end of the day, you understand one coach. See, the thing the thing that I took on this, I, I took from this situation is that's what coaches do. And you even saw former players like Draymond Green came out and said, that's what Tom Izzo does. Former players said, hell, even the player that was that was yelled at. That was getting yelled at. Came out and said, "I understand that I messed up, and I take full responsibility for it." 
And what you see is a lot of his players, former and present, love Tom Izzo. They understand that he treats them every single player from the best player to the worst player. He treats them like they're like his sons. Coach Derek Mitchell, which was my coach, did the same thing. He will chew me out. He will chew the best player out. He'll chew the player that probably he'll chew anyone out. Because at the end of the day, he wants to get the best out of you. He wants to hold you accountable, which is the word that I saw floating around the whole week. And he wants you to be the best player you can be. The kid was a freshman. That Tom Izzo, his, his, the kid was a freshman. And like Tom Izzo said, I hold everyone accountable. Tom Izzo is notorious for not letting his players take a game off, take a playoff, take, take anything off. Because he wants, he wants perfection. He wants the best, which all coaches do. So when we talk about Tom Izzo, I don't know. No, no. I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, this is going to hurt his legacy. Oh, coaches shouldn't do that. Coaches, every coach does. Coach K does that. I've heard countless stories of Coach K cussing out players in, in, in practice. I have never heard, never heard a player say they don't like Coach K. In fact, I've heard more Coach K was the greatest coach I've ever played under. You see, everybody has different ways of coaching. And every player responds differently to to different things. I was the type of player that I didn't respond as well to getting yelled at as I did to, all right, pull me aside, tell me what I did, and I'll address it. Some players responded to getting chewed out, like getting their feet to the fire, you know. Tom Izzo did absolutely nothing wrong chewing out that player. And they even and like I said, the player even even came out and said he did nothing wrong. It's crazy how a lot of people that saw that video and criticized it are the same people that have never played on a on a on a team. The same people that have never played a sport. They just watch it, or they just cover it, or they just saw a quick ten second clip. And now they think that Tom Izzo is the worst coach ever. Or that player is a victim. We are in, you know, it's funny. We're in a cancel, cancel society. Oh, he's canceled. Oh, she's canceled. Oh, they did this, so they're canceled forever. I I saw Tom Izzo's cancel floating around because he doesn't know how to treat, treat his players. Again, ask every player that Tom Izzo's ever coached or Tom Izzo is currently coaching. Everyone says Tom Izzo loves them like a child. 
so when it comes to getting shoot out, you understand he's not going to chew you out because he doesn't like you. He's trying to chew you out because you either did something wrong and he doesn't want it to happen again. Or he wants to hold you accountable. Because a lot of things that uh, one thing that people cannot deny. Is that if you were held accountable at a young age. Or at a at a at a, at a early point in your career or your your job or whatever. It carries a long way. That player is better today after that exchange. And Tom Izzo is still one of the best coaches in college basketball, hands down. Oh, let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> Man, it was just, it's just crazy, yo, like people i don't know if it's today's society or what but people have gotten i I don't know if it's weak or people have i don't know i don't know but i've seen i heard so many people coming for tom izzo's neck man this week hell even even college commentators said that's not how you talk to talk to players he was def- he was completely in the wrong. No, he wasn't. Half of them college commentators have been on teams where they got yelled at like that. And you can't say that, oh, I, I didn't love my coach. Now, some people didn't. I didn't like my high school coach. But I loved my, my college coach. Oh, but my, my high school coach didn't even chew me out like that. Damn. That may be a correlation. <laughs> Tom Izzo's a good coach, man. Tom Izzo's a good coach. He he was he didn't do anything wrong. But like I said, man, this is the this is the Sweet Sixteen, and we've seen some some crazy play, man. We've seen some players go. We've seen some some draft stock rise. And I'm going to talk about a couple players that maybe going into the tournament, some of them didn't even know if they were going to get drafted. Some of them were, could have been high projection. Some of them were, were question marks. But now that we sit in the Sweet 16, these players' draft stock have rose exponentially. And let me, tell, let me talk first about John Morant. All season, we knew that John Morant was great. We knew that John Morant was going to be in the NBA. We knew John Morant was going to be top five player drafted, period. From his from his athletic ability, from the way that he can control the game, from his shot, because he, he can shoot, and from his decision-making, we knew that John Morant was good. And... Now that he's on March Madness, or he was on March Madness, an attorney, he shined bright in, in, when the light was brightest. Going against Marquette and another scoring phenom, which is uh, Marcus Howard, he put on a show. 
while he didn't score as much as Mark, I believe Marcus scored like 26 part points. John Morant only scored 17, but he did record the first triple double in March since Draymond Green. You see, John Morant. When I say when I say some of these players' draft stock rose exponentially, his draft stock didn't rise exponentially. But what it did cement is that he is the first or second best player. No, he is the second best player in college basketball. I did a podcast episode a couple weeks back, questioning if R.J. Barrett should be number one instead of Zion, and this was when Zion was down. And R.J. Barrett stepped up and pretty much reminded people just how good he was. I can sit here to say now that was disrespectful to John Morant. I don't know if it was because he didn't get that much exposure playing for Murray State. And a lot of his games weren't on TV. I don't know if that's because this is a deep guard year for college basketball but there should be no question who should be going number one or number two depending on the team i think if if phoenix looks up and get number one i don't see them drafting or i don't see why they would draft zion because the, the biggest thing they need is a point guard but if any other team Gets number one. I see them getting Zion. But John Morant is going one or two. That's it. He's not he's not slipping the three. I don't care if he tears an ACL, Lord forbid. I don't I don't wish that upon him. But I don't care if he tells tears an ACL and and walking down the street. I don't care if he tears an ACL dancing in the shower. Shouts out to John Wall. <laughs> John Morant is the second best player this year in college basketball. Now, of course, his tournament his tournament run ended in the round of 32 against a tough Florida State team. But don't don't let it fool you. John Moran is the truth. And I and I'm sorry he is not. RJ Barrett is not better than RJ, than John Moran. Period. Sorry guys, you can still hear I'm still in the final stages of my cold, but the next player I'm gonna talk about. And a lot of people might think this is bias, but I don't care. Is <laughs> Nasir Little. Nasir Little averaged nine points coming into the tournament. Nasir Little coming into college was viewed as the second, was ranked second. He was projected to go second in the draft this year before college basketball. Now, it's already been on record stating that Nasir Little has never really had to be coached. 
his athletic talent, his 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 basketball talent has carried him a long way. Has carried him to this point. And going to North Carolina, he 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 understood that you're going you're you're now being paired with one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history in Roy Williams. And sometimes you pick the wrong school. And I'm a North Carolina fan. Don't get me wrong. I think Nasir Little is great. I'm glad he picked North Carolina. But you pick North Carolina. And the play style, Coach Coach Roy Williams had to, had to adapt to his play style. And Nasir Little had to adapt to getting coached. And you saw in the beginning, he didn't even, he, in fact, he doesn't start. And a lot of people were questioning, is Nasir Little really that good if he doesn't even start for Roy Williams in, in North Carolina? You know, sometimes you just go to the wrong school. I think if he would have went to a school like, I don't know, UCLA, a school like USC, a school like Oregon or something. And shouts out to Oregon, too, because they're still they're, they're one of the hottest teams in college basketball right now, but. If you would have went to one of those schools where there's not too many, too much talent, okay, maybe minus Oregon, but UCLA, USC, um, one of the A10 teams, he his draft stock probably would be a lot higher because you don't need he doesn't you don't need that much coaching, or he 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 wouldn't get that much coaching. He'll let his his athletic ability will take off. But you saw in the beginning of the year, Nasir Little frequently made made mistakes on the defensive end. His shot was de- his shot still is is a work in progress, and he was just he looked young. But we sit here today. North Carolina is the number one seed, or one of the number one seeds in the Midwest region. They went against Iona. And Washington. And in both games, Nasir Little was arguably the best player on the floor. Iona was was beating the brakes off North Carolina. Well, they 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 couldn't miss. I was watching the game like, bro, Iona has hit 10 threes. In fact, they went to halftime with 38 points, right? I think it was like 30, 38, 33. Going into halftime, Iona was up. And out of that 38 points, 30 points came from threes. I was like, dog, what the f- Man. But then the second half happened. And, of course, North Carolina ended up blowing out Iona. But we saw Nasir Little take over the game. I believe he ended that first game with like 19 points or, or something. Next game, Washington. Off the break, they were beating the hell out of Washington. But you saw Nasir Little take control, demand, uh, control the paint. Him alongside of Luke May were dominating. I believe even that game he finished with either 19 or 21 points. Nasir Little's draft stock was dropping. Week after week, 
I remember it was from second to fifth, from fifth to tenth, from tenth to twentieth, to maybe he'll get, not maybe, he'll probably get drafted the second round. As we speak today, now Sierra Little is back in the top ten. And honestly, he should have never, never, he he should never have left the top ten. Now, Sierra Little, yes, the fit might not work. And and this is no shot on Sierra Little. This is no shot on North Carolina. Sometimes a coaching style, or sometimes a team doesn't fit the player. Hell, look at look at D'Angelo Russell in in the NBA. He goes from the Lakers which didn't really fit, especially when Lonzo came. And you put him on the Nets. Now he's an all-star, and he's leading the Nets to the playoffs. Now, Sierra Little is a great player. He's a physical specimen. He can jump out the gym. He's huge. And when he and when he develops, when his shot gets a lot better, especially from three, he will be an incredible. He's NBA ready. Yeah, I think he might have flourished a little bit more going to a different school, but Sierra Little's draft stock has rose and is continuing to rise. Especially, I think it's, we're, we're really going to see what he's made of against Auburn. Auburn is probably the hottest team in college basketball right now. After smacking all hell out of Kansas and having a really uh, having a, a clutch win against New Mexico State. We're really going to see what North Carolina is made of because, like I said, Auburn's hot now. Auburn is a is a undersized team, but they can shoot the brakes up just like Iona. They can shoot the the cover off that ball. And while they're they're, they're a small team, almost everyone on that team is quick, and their big men are huge, not huge and tight, but huge and like weight. They're they're strong. Yeah, I think North Carolina is going to win. I think talent, all in all, is going to hold weight. But now Sierra Little is going to play a big part in that in in North Carolina winning this game if they do win. And the last person I'm going to talk about before I move on is Carson Edwards from Purdue. Now I don't know if Carson Edwards is going to get drafted, but I know the NBA is a scoring league. And I know that one thing the NBA loves is a score. And Carson Edwards is one of the best scoring, excuse me, one of the best scoring guards in college basketball. He's only 21, and yes, he's 6'1", which is a little short. But the man just dropped 42 on Villanova. 40 and it was an effortless for like I watched that game or watched most of that game. His 42 came so easily. He's still young, of course, and of course he might he might come back for another year if he can, but Going into college, going into this season, we really didn't hear much about Carson Edwards. We didn't even, a lot of people didn't even know about Carson Edwards. Now, 
Carson Edwards is one of the best guards in college basketball. And one of the best guards remaining in the tournament. And what team doesn't need scoring? Carson Edwards is crazy, man. Carson, <laughs> from his shooting ability to his slashing ability, he he's like a shorter Kobe White from North Carolina. And I'm going to go back to that. That's my team. But Kobe White can score. And Carson Edwards can score. And we already know Kobe White is getting drafted. So, I don't know. John Morant's stock pretty much solidified itself. Nasir Little's stock is rising. And Carson Edwards' stock is rising. Another person, I'm not really going to talk about it, was, but Grant Williams. He's, he's like a Draymond Green type. He could be like a Draymond Green type player from Tennessee. He was vital in every win that they've had. Every win. They almost lost to... Uh, Iona, Iowa, I'm sorry. After being up by 25, Iowa stormed back and won in overtime. I mean, lost in overtime, but Grant Williams was a was a big factor in that, as well as Colgate. He came really, he came late. Definitely helped him out. That, that Purdue and Tennessee game is going to be good, but Grant Williams is another person. Like, I guess an honorable mention. But we're in the round of sixty-two. I mean, six uh, round of six, sweet sixteen. And let me before we go this. I what the hell, UCF? What the hell? All right. For people that don't didn't watch, UCF was up. UCF and Duke were battling back and forth all game. UCF was up four points. They got us with like maybe a minute and 30 seconds left. They got a, they got a steal and had a two-on-one fast break. All you had to do was lay the ball up. One of the players would have had an open lane. You could just dip it to him, bounce pass or a touch pass and lay the ball up. You're up six with a minute and thirty minute twenty one seconds left, and it's go it's 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 going to be extremely tough for Duke to come back from that, because at that point Zion had four fouls. They weren't really scoring like that. They were they were in like maybe a two minute drought, and UCF had all the momentum. But what does UCF do? UCF gets a steal. Two on one fast break. You lob the ball for alley oop. Now I wouldn't be mad at that if you would have made it. But what happens? The man he catches the ball, fumbles it mid air, misses the lob. At that point, you will be up six. Now you're still up four. Duke comes down, hits it to Cameron Reddish, probably their best three-point shooter, and he's smack open off a, sc- off a screen, hits it. That's a five-point swing. So instead of being up six, now you're down one. I mean, now you're up one. You come down. You 
missed the shot, but Taco gets it. Taco falls through 7-6. He gets the rebound. Boom. Put back. You're up three. Remember, you would have been up six, but you're up three. Come down. Zion goes full Zion. Runs into Taco. Foul and one. Taco fouls out. The, the the one of the sole reasons why you were winning was Taco. He's out. So then Zion goes to the line. You're down one at this point. They're down one at this point. You go to the line. Zion misses the free throw. The number one thing you are learned, you are taught, is stressed enough is that you box out during a free throw. But what does UCF do? Everybody looks up. Nobody touches somebody. R.J. Barrett gets the rebound on a free throw. A clean rebound, too. And and wasn't contested, goes back up, lays the ball up. Now you're down one. This, then you come down, miss a layup, and miss a tip. And the tip, the tip shot probably hit every part of the rim. That you missed it. UCF loses. Duke advances to the Sweet 16. You see, this game was a crazy game. But when you're playing against a competitor like Duke or a team like Duke, you need to be perfect in everything you do. And they were damn near perfect in everything they did but one play. And that one play cost them. That one play cost them. Yes, there was still a minute and and 30 seconds left, a minute and 21 seconds left. But everybody in basketball knows this crazy word called momentum. You lost it when you missed that alley-oop. And now we sit here today. It's Sweet 16. You got Duke Village, Virginia Tech. You got LSU and Michigan State. Virginia and Oregon. And like I said before, Oregon's one of the 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 hottest teams. You have Purdue and Tennessee. You have North Carolina and Auburn. You have Houston and Kentucky. You have Texas Tech and Michigan. And you have Gonzaga and Florida State. I told you guys in my March Madness special, watch out for Florida State. They're long. They're athletic at every position. And they can win. They can beat Gonzaga. I don't know if they will beat Gonzaga, but they can beat Gonzaga. Hell, and the two wins... Against Vermont and Murray State. Florida State has put up 76 points and 90 points. While, of course, Gonzaga's put up 87 and 83. So they both can score. The This is shaped up to be a crazy Marsh Madness. 
from teams like Kansas getting man, Kansas got smacked. Like I was I was nervous and you heard I said it in the in the special. I was like, "Yo, why do we got we're going to have to play Kansas in Kansas?" Cuz I just assumed Kansas was going to the Sweet 16. Not the case at all. Kansas you know, it looked like Kansas and Auburn were in two different stratospheres. Like they shouldn't even been on the same court. One of the best games of the other week so far was Maryland and LSU. When when Look, man, I'm all for coaches being fiery. But you can't you can't you can't cost you can't get a tech, man. You can't get a tech. And then you gotta for for Maryland, you gotta hit your free throws and you got to you gotta make you gotta make chippies. You gotta make bunnies. You can't miss those. Especially in March. Now LSU player LSU guard might have traveled, but that's neither here nor there. But that's probably the best game other than UCF game that we've seen so far. And last thing I'm going to talk about before I move on from college basketball is the women's update. Now, in this special, I said Baylor is probably going to win it all. Now, Baylor is still sitting comfortably. They played tonight at 9 o'clock against Cal. I don't see Cal winning. Uh, And they'll be playing South Carolina in the Sweet 16. Kentucky, I don't, okay. But the, all right, so one team, there's two teams, that three teams that could challenge my thoughts on Baylor winning it all, and that's Mississippi State, of course UConn, and Oregon. Now, of course, I'm not going to go with all the one seeds. Of course, Louisville could win. Of course, Notre Dame could win, but. Mississippi State has been blowing people out. They scored 103 points the first round and 85 points the next round. Now they're going against Arizona State. Excuse me. They could win it all, Mississippi State. And UConn, I mean, UConn, UConn's been reminding us, look, they – while they 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 only won by twelve against Buffalo, they did put up a hundred and ten points to Towson. Shouts out to Towson, <laughs> but it did put up a hundred and ten points against Towson in the first round. But let me talk about Oregon real quick. Oregon is a is a is a weird team, and this is of course Oregon ladies. In the beginning of the season, Oregon was seen as one of the best teams. You had a young lady that is probably a triple-double machine, triple walking triple-double, and she can shoot the lights out the ball. I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name, but we know who she is. And then towards the middle of the season, they struggled. They lost about two or three straight games. They didn't even win their conference tournament. 
and and they had a rough patch. And then we get to the tournament. They're a two seed. And they look like the Oregon of old. As in the Oregon from the beginning of the season. They are destroying teams from the three. They're long, so they're getting off they're getting a lot of offensive rebounds. You see, what I learned about women's college basketball is that there's a lot of things that need to go into winning. You need to be sound defensively, offensively. You need to run your sets. And you have to have height or strength. While Oregon isn't the strongest team, they have height. And most of their height can shoot. Now, of course, they'll have to get over Mississippi State in the Sweet 16. If they, well, in the Elite Eight, I'm sorry, if they both make it. But that'll be a good game. And another good game, before I I move on, is Maryland has to play UCLA today at 7 o'clock. If Maryland beats them, They'll have to go up against UConn. It'll be Maryland and UConn in the Elite Eight. I'm sorry, in the Sweet 16. Sweet 16. Maryland can win that game. And UConn can win that game. Maryland is a sneaky good team. And I'm not just saying it because I'm from Maryland, but they, they, they're a sneaky good team. Do I still think that Baylor will win it all? Yeah. But it's not as much of a cakewalk as I thought it would be. Especially looking at the first few rounds. There's definitely some teams that can knock these ladies off. And we will see if they can do it or not. We will see if they can get it done. So let me move on. Golly, man, I hate being sick, bro. <laughs> it sucks. Let me move on to the NBA. Let me talk about Lonzo real quick. So Lonzo and Big Baller Brand. I think but wasn't it Allen Allen Williams? Let me let me look it up before. Allen Foster. Alright, so Lonzo Ball is cutting ties with Alan Foster. Now, Alan Foster was one of the founding members of Big Baller Brand, and I guess was a longtime friend of Lavar Ball. And a report came out today that Alan Foster cannot account for one point five million dollars of Lonzo's personal and financial accounts. And this this is a bigger this shines light on a bigger issue is that watch who you keep around your circle. Or watch who's in your circle. Lonzo I'm not 
the right see when when people show you their true character you believe them i've been told that my whole life you see alan foster is not a he's been arrested before on financial fraud and while i believe wholeheartedly in giving people second chances that would not be the person that i would have dealing with my money in any business and now while alonzo ball cut ties with alan foster He's probably going to cut ties completely with Big Baller Brand. And might sign with Nike. Or might sign for, for somewhere. And it sucks because that is going... Like, remember when Nike gave him what that... Or, or tried to offer him that $10,000 contract? Or $10 million contract that he turned down? That was when we... That was before we saw Lonzo being Lonzo. Lonzo ain't about to get no $10 million contract from Nike right now. They might just give him the product and say, hey, you, you can wear it. You see, this is this is this affects so many levels because now Big Olive brand is going to be affected because now you don't have the only son in the NBA wearing your shoe. And I don't think anybody wears his shoe in the NBA. This affects the relationship between father and son because now all three boys are trying to distance themselves away from Big Baller Brand from what the reports have shown. And uh, this, it's just, this is just a sticky situation. Keep yourself, keep your circle pure and tight. Know who you're letting in your circle and know what they're doing. My best friend can can be uh can have went to jail or could have went to jail, got rehabilitated and come back to the rest of the world. If he went to jail for robbery, I'm not about to take him to no bank. If he went to jail for I don't know abusing women, I'm not about to bring him around ladies. I don't care how much he's changed. That's on that's on that's on Lonzo a little bit, and that's also on Lavar. You brought him to the family, Lavar. And don't get me wrong, man. I'm not. I'm all for African Americans starting and owning things, having your own business, starting your own business. While I might not like the shoes, I think big. I think. Big baller brand shoes are trash, but I respect what you're doing. I respect you trying to take control of the shoe industry. But when you do that, and especially when you do that in African-American sense, you have to you have to have everything on point. And now. Alan Foster could have ruined and probably did ruin your biggest client which is your son sons 
and it's and it's great and and, and the, the 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 positive side to this is Lonzo caught it early. You remember Tim Duncan lost millions upon millions. I believe Ke- I know Kevin Garnett lost like seventy seven million dollars. So it was good that you only lost one point five million. But again, you have to be careful who you let in your circle. And when people show you who they really are, believe them. There is no way way a financial fraud, someone that went to jail for financial fraud, is ever going to touch my books and my money. I don't care how much of a friend we are. He can be my my brand ambassador, but he is not about to be my financial advisor or whatever the hell he was. This is a huge blow on Big Baller Brand. Know that. And this could be a huge blow to the Ball family. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate anything, but it could be. We will have to see. We will have to see. Speaking of Lonzo. And, and and point guard talk. Let's talk about Kyrie real quick. I don't know if I've said this in a previous podcast, but play, I don't care how talented you are. You have to be able a t- a team doesn't win on pure talent you have to have synergy you have to want to play with teammates and teammates have to want to play with you what's going on in boston right now looks like teammates don't really uh, teammates aren't attracted to Kyrie's leadership style and Kyrie Still learning how to be a leader. You see, I don't know if Kyrie knows how to be a leader, but I do know that last year doomed his chances of leading. And I'm going to tell you why. When you are injured, and of course you can't control that, but when you're injured for most of the most of the season, especially towards the end, and you miss the playoffs, and with you missing the playoffs and missing the majority of the season, along with Gordon Hayward, the team still makes it to the NBA. Is a game away from the NBA Finals? That's the worst spot you can be in, man. Because now you have players like Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown that looks around like, why do I have to take a back seat? When without you, our so-called leader, we were playing better. In fact, if you look at the numbers, even this year, the team plays better without Kyrie on the floor. Now, was Boston better without Kyrie? No. I mean, Kyrie is still a top 10 talent 
top 15 talent in the league. But statistics are statistics. Players know when you're you know when you're good. And a lot of players are looking at Kyrie like, how are you gonna say we need to lead you? But we were good last year without you. And you're saying that we we don't know how how to how to win games. What are you talking about? We went to the conference finals. We were went to game seven of the conference finals. And was like fifteen minutes away before LeBron happened from going to the championship. You see, I don't question Kyrie's talent. And I'm not really questioning his leadership. What I am questioning is that you once you see that, you need to find a way to lead differently. Maybe lead, don't really say much, lead without action, because lead with actions, because even his his media run is just is is god awful. I think Kyrie's gone after this season. It's hard from everything that I've seen this year. It's hard for me to see Kyrie re- unless maybe Anthony Davis comes. But it, it, I don't see, I, I don't see Kyrie staying, especially the team the way it is now. I don't, I don't see Kyrie staying. I don't. Quickly, uh, LeBron James is missing the playoffs for the first time since 2015 or 2005. This is a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say on this quickly. This is a very, this is a very important summer for the Lakers. They need to get a max player or two. They need that because the team, the talent they have now, no. It might, maybe next year they might make the play. They're they're probably going to make the play if if the team that they have now stays together. Then of course they have to because there's a couple players. Uh, you know all the veterans on one year contracts. They're gonna have to find some more players. But with the young core that they have and LeBron James, they're def they can definitely make the playoffs. They can make the fourth seed. They can they might be able to make the third seed. But they need somebody else. Because if not, you're really about to be wasting LeBron James's talent in in his last few years that he has. I don't know. I, I they can of course I think they're going to really push hard to get Anthony Davis again. But I don't I don't know who you're getting. I don't know who you're getting. I don't think they're getting Kyrie. I don't think they're getting Kawhi Leonard. I don't think they're getting KD. I don't think they're getting Clay Thompson. So, so, so now they could get Jimmy Butler. But is Jimmy Butler really changing? The, if he can't change the needle, or he he can't drastically move the needle for Philly, what is he really doing for the Lakers? So what is that left with DeMarcus Cousins? And, and don't get me wrong, DeMarcus Cousins is in trash, but DeMarcus Cousins, Tobias Harris, Kimba. The Lakers are gonna need need somebody to come. 
and it's and and this is most definitely a failed season for the Lakers. And the last thing I'm gonna say about the NBA before we go to the unpopular topic of the week. So they've been talking about the face of the NBA after LeBron James leaves, or since LeBron James in the playoffs, and he might not be the best player in the world right now. They've been talking about the face of the league. And who is the face of the league? And I hear Giannis's name. I hear Giannis's name. They've been they've been pretty much speaking on Giannis the whole time. And I'm just it's just it's funny cuz there's a lot of people that could be the face of the league that's not getting shine and not getting recognition. Like, why can't Steph Curry be the face of the league? Arguably one of the great, well, ain't arguably, the greatest shooter we've ever seen. A three-time champion, probably will be a four-time champion after this year. Two-time MVP, one unanimous. Breaks countless offensive records or shooting records, especially three-pointers. And has a track record off the court that is clean. Why can't Kevin Durant be the face of the league? One of, if not the most unstoppable player in the NBA. Seven feet, can shoot, probably be a three-time champion this year. Probably a three-time finals MVP this year. And could go to another team. And if not... He could stay for Golden State and go for a four-peat, which hasn't happened since Bill Russell's Celtics. Why can't James Harden be the face of the league? To me, the third greatest score ever. And we can talk about that on another podcast but or another episode, but I think James Harden is the third greatest scorer of all time. League MVP probably would be the second MVP or second straight MVP this year. Leading a Houston Rockets team that could beat Golden State. And offensively, he is, like I said, the <laughs> the third greatest score of all time. I mean, he, he followed up a 51-point game with a 61-point. I mean, 57-point game with a 61-point game. Last week, why is LeBron? Ja- why why isn't LeBron James still? There? Yeah, he got he got injured for and missed eighteen games. He just had a triple double last night. See, I understand LeBron James might not be the best player in the world right now. I get that, but let's not hurry up. Let's not go and just crown Giannis the best player. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that Giannis isn't a top five, top three player in the league. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't just leap. Just don't don't forget how great the league is and some of the greatest players that we have in the league. All the people I've named are are ranked historically in the top 50, if you ask me. Kevin Durant is a top 50 player ever. Steph Curry is a top 50 player ever. James Harden is a top 50 player ever. I don't know who the face of the league is. I don't. 
and I'm not about to sit here and 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 crown the face of the league like some people are trying to do. I know that the league is in the best place it's ever been in right now. You have so many great players, so many great talent, so many great teams. And you have a dynasty on your hands. So let's just slow down before we really give the greatest player to Giannis. Or let's slow down before we even take it away from LeBron. I don't I don't know if the league needs a face. I remember when when Jordan left, the league was in a lull. Like who's the face? Who is the most who you know? I don't think the I think today that they don't need that. I think the league is in a good spot and I'm not wishing it upon anybody, but if if LeBron James leaves tomorrow, what do we have? If LeBron James leaves the league tomorrow, what do we have? We have a dynasty. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins. We have young up-and-coming players. Ben Simmons, Luka Doncic, Giannis. We have a pool, a pool of talent. Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard. You see, back then the league had talent, but it didn't have so many notable players. And the league has that today. Hell, and we're not even talking about the injured players. AD, Porzingis, John Wall. I don't think the league needs a face. It just needs to be as great as it is now and continue to be as great as it is now. So with that being said, let's go to the unpopular topic of the week. Welcome to the unpopular opinions. Unpopular opinions. Have unpopular opinions. Unpopular opinions. Okay, so what's an unpopular opinion? Unpopular opinions. To utter such blasphemy. He's got the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated goal to echo such blasphemous nonsense. Just blasphemy. When you look at superheroes, what do a lot of them have in common? They have help, or they have a team. Look at Superman. He has, what, that super dog? (laughs) When you look at Batman, he has Robin. And it goes for players as well. Look at most players and, and, and listen to their, especially the Hall of Famers, listen to their speeches. Jerry Rice, Gave credit to Joe Montana and vice versa. When Michael Jordan won his championship, I mean, won, uh, went to the fine, uh, whew, went to the Hall of Fame. He credited Scottie Pippen. You see, I'm not. Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. I'm not taking that away from Tom. 
But I do know this. Tom Brady would not be as good if it wasn't for Rob Gronkowski. Who is, to me, one of the best sidekicks you can have. Ever. You see, yesterday, Rob Gronkowski retired from the NFL. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion, four-time All-Pro, which is the first and the only tight end to do that. He's made five Pro Bowls. He has 92 touchdowns, 602 catches, and 9,024 yards. Tom Brady is great. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Tom Brady is great. But Tom Brady would not be as great if it wasn't for Rob Gronkowski. I don't know if Rob Gronkowski is the greatest tight end we've ever had. Because we have some great tight ends. From Tony Gonzalez to Shannon Sharp. But I do know this. Gronk is probably will go down as one of the most unstoppable players to ever put on a helmet. If it wasn't for injury, he probably would be unarguably the greatest tight end ever. And if it wasn't for Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady wouldn't be the greatest ever. Tom Brady's good, and and I'm not taking away from his talent. But Batman isn't Batman without Robin. Iron Man isn't Iron Man without the Avengers. Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady without Rob Gronkowski. Now, of course, Ron Gronkowski can come back and, and say, you know, I'm coming back. Because, of course, I mean, every look at Jason Witten, he unretired. But even as it stands now, if he doesn't come back, Rob Gronkowski will go down as one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the NFL in the NFL. And Tom Brady, while he is great and while he would still be great if Rob never played, he would not be the Tom Brady that we know if it wasn't for Rob Gronkowski. Look at a lot of the big moments that Tom Brady had. And on some of the big throws, clutch throws. Look who he's passing it to. And look who's catching it in traffic a lot of those times. You see, there we can get another Brady. We can get another incredible quarterback that has, I don't know if we'll ever get a quarterback to ever win six championships, but we can get another talent level of Brady. I don't think we'll ever get another Rob Gronkowski. I'm not a Patriots fan. Nope, not at all. 
But I do understand when greatness is great. So with Rob Gronkowski retiring, going out gracefully, like he said, I respect it. I thank Rob Gronkowski for what he's done and how he's shaped the tight end position or changed the tight end position. And don't get a fool. Tom Brady is not Tom Brady without Rob Gronkowski. And before we go, let's get to the game of the week. Game blouses. It's your game. I call game. Expect the game. It's game time. You play no games. It's the game of the week. Play the game. So I was tempted to put LSU and Michigan State as the game of the week. Both teams are physical physical defenses. While they don't have the best offenses, they 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 their calling card is defense, both teams. And that would be a great matchup. That is a great matchup. But my game of the week has to go to number three, Houston, against number two, Kentucky. Houston is one of the hottest teams in the nation right now. And Kentucky is one of the most stacked. For Houston, Corey Davis Jr., Jalen Robinson Jr., Fabian White Jr. have carried this team since the since the turn uh, since the conference tournament or their conference tournament, and actually they've been carrying all season. And those three are are. You can throw Amari, uh, Amari Brooks in there. Those four are, are playing at an elite level. And then you have on the other side, Kentucky. P.J. Washington will be a draft pick this year. Reed Travis. And Tyler Hero, who came out of nowhere, who probably will get drafted too. They've been playing great too. You see, Kentucky is a powerhouse that we've we've known to to while they don't they haven't really won too many I think they've only had four championships in their tenure. And Coach Calipari has one. But they always have top talent. Since Coach Kyle Perry's been there. So it's really a powerhouse against the hottest, one of the hottest teams in the league, or in the in the tournament. And honestly, I don't know who could. I think. I mean, I, I know I, both teams can win, but right now, from how I've seen them play, it's hard for me to pick against Houston. It's hard for me to pick against Houston. I don't know. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not picking this game. I just know that this this is my game of the week. You have two of the most high-powered offenses right now, as well as solid defense from both teams. Both teams is long and athletic. And both teams are hot. Kentucky 
beating Warford and beating what is it, Albany Christian in Houston. Nailbotter against Iowa State, who just won the Big 12 tournament or Big 12 championship. And pretty much blowing Ohio State off the water. This game, this game also is my game of the week because this has a lot of implications to who, to me, will make it to the Final Four. Because, of course, I'm a North Carolina fan, but North Carolina against Houston scary, and North Carolina against Kentucky is scary. I think whoever wins this game has a good shot at North Carolina. I don't know if I picked them to win, but they have a great shot. So that's my game of the week. Houston against Kentucky. That is on March 29th, which I believe is in four days. That's Friday. That's Thursday. Thursday. Houston against Kentucky. I'm not going to pick it. I don't know. But that is my game of the week. And there you have it, man. That's another episode. I want to appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate the people that's still with me 40 episodes in. I'm getting bigger and better. And until next time, much love. Dry slow, homie. Slow, homie. You never know, homie. Let me some hoes, homie. You need to pump your brakes and drive slow, homie. My homie Molly used to stay 79th mate. One of my best friends from back in the day. Down the street from Calumet, a school full of stones. He nicknamed me K Rock, so they leave me alone. Bulls jacket with his hat broke way off. And walked around the mall with his radio face off. Plus, he had a spinner from his datings in his hand, keys in his hand, reason again to let you know he's the man. Back when we rocked the leases, he had dreams of caprices. Drove by the teachers, even more by police. How he get the cash today? His father passed away. Left him with a little something. 16, he was stunting. I'll be sure, nigga, with the hair all wavy. Hit Lake Shore, girls go all crazy.